just trying to put my watch down. Last week, that everything collapsed last week. Uh, and I don't want to put my watch there in case that collapses. Uh, but I haven't got my watch there to remind me of the time because I preach by the year, not by the day. So, okay, so let's just relax. Let me ask you, right now, right now, what song would describe your life? Mine would probably, I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, okay, I probably, I don't, how many remember that song, by the way? There's a lot of you, come on. Come on, remember that? That, that, was, a, that was a, supposed to be Mick Jagger. Uh, anyway, but, you know, songs are very important to us, aren't they? No, seriously, and I often think, the older I get, when I'm singing in church, do I actually mean the words I sing? You're all I need. Is it a song or is it actually true? That last song before we sung the last song, not the last song, but the song before that song, before that one, the last one, that one. It is well with my soul. Had me reflecting on that story again. Is it well with your soul? Is it? You see, the last few months, we've talked a lot about the mandate Jesus gave us. And... The last few months have been very difficult in the sense that I'm coming to an end and it's been very difficult and from last week it obviously became more difficult because the end date was given and I need to have peace with my soul, don't I? No, seriously, don't I? The end is here, it's inevitable and basically for the next seven Sundays, I'm going to preach for five hours just so that at the end of those seven Sundays you will say, thank goodness he's gone. But it is, I've got to come to realisation, haven't I? Now, I can either struggle with this, or I can come to God and, and believe that God has got something for the next stage of my journey. I have a choice, haven't I? What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? And, and so, the, by the way, the mandate is to go into all the world, tell the good news about Jesus, making disciples, baptising them, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That's my mandate, and that's your mandate, by the way. It's all our mandates. Because you see, Jesus has gone to heaven, and he wants this message to go out about the good news of Jesus, that Jesus loves you. Jesus knows exactly where you are in your life, and yet he still loves you. And we're out there to tell the good news that Jesus loves us. And so we talked a lot about the significance as to why Jesus gave this mandate. And I believe the two questions can be answered because, let me tell you something. The good news about Jesus is that God thinks it's important. Now that's the first thing I want to get across. We're going to talk about church this morning. I want to tell you church is God's idea. And church is important to God. Whether it's important to you or not, well... To God, it's very, very important because God created church. God created every human being. God created you in the likeness of his own image. You are important to God because he created you exactly the way you are. And so we need to understand something. It's not what human beings think about us. What does the eternal God think? We live in a world of secularism, but I would like us to take a step back and go back into the days where we once used to believe that God was the eternal creator, not only of the universe, but of everything. 
You see, in the Bible, John 1 says this. In the Word, Jesus was in the beginning. All things were made by Him, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So, is Jesus telling us the truth, or is He not telling us the truth? Because that is the question that we have to answer. And Jesus says, I want you to go out there, every one of you who believe that I am the truth, and tell the people how much Jesus loves you. And so the first important thing about the mandate was to go into all the world and tell the good news of Jesus because it's important to God that people know that he loves them. And I want to give you a Bible verse that tells you that. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He does not want anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. It's not wonderful. God doesn't want anybody to be outside his family. He wants everybody in his family. That's God's mandate. Should you refuse that mandate, that doesn't mean that God did not want you. Does it? I want to tell you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you are, God loves you. And God has said that I want you not to perish, but to have everlasting life. So when Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus said, the truth is this. I am the only way that you can come to know God. But I want you to know, Pilate, that God loves you. I want you to know that God loves you. You see, can I say something? I never, never understood why I had to go to school. (laughs) Never understood why I had to go to school. But my mom used to say, listen, you've got to go to school because you don't know all the answers to life. But let me tell you, as an eight-year-old boy, I knew all the answers to life. Why do I have to go to school? Why can't I just go outside and play football with my friends? Mum said, because you don't know all the answers in life. And you need to be educated. So you go to school for that. And I want to tell you it's the same with Jesus. You don't have to know all the answers to your life to come to Jesus. In fact, it's better if you don't. You might have many questions about Jesus, but that should not stop you coming to Jesus. You're not to wait until you've figured out what Jesus is or what life is before you come to know him. Just as I had to go to school to learn about education, learn about things that were important. So let me tell you, come to Jesus and let Jesus unwrap your life. The issue is we try to work out life and then we'll suddenly decide, well, I think I'm ready now to come to Jesus. You will never be ready to come to Jesus if you're trying to work life out because, listen, there's always something in life that needs answering. You may say, well, I've got a thousand questions. Great. Doesn't stop you coming to Jesus. I don't understand this. Well, I don't. I don't understand Jesus when I came to know him. I've come to know Jesus because I do now know him. Now he's working out in my life. I can understand him. Do not wait. God says, don't wait and wait and wait and wait. Just come to me with all your questions, with all your hang-ups, with everything that you have. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I found it so. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I can give you rest. Jesus is begging you this morning not to work out all your life because you can't come to him and let him unravel your life out. Jesus is not willing that anyone in this room should perish. 
It's not his design. Never created it that. He created that every one of us should come into relationship with him without understanding all the answers. And without even sometimes understanding the questions that we ask. Why does God love me? I'll be honest, I don't know. How come God sees every single thing that I have done this week and yet says, I love you? This is the marvelous thing of the good news about Jesus. And the reason he built a church for was that the church could get together, encourage and help one another to spread this wonderful news. Is that, listen, wherever you are in life, Jesus loves you. Whatever you've done in life, Jesus can forgive you. The only necessary action that you need to take is to admit you're a sinner. We all know we are. Because every one of us have told a lie. Every one of us have told a lie. Every one of us have been unkind. Every one of us have thoughts. Everyone has taken something that they shouldn't have taken. Every one of us. There's not one person in this room can stand and say that they've never lied. That they've never taken anything. That they've never been unkind. They've never had a horrible thought. I don't care who you are, you're guilty. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of God's standard. Because the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not have thought. We, we are human beings who will fail. The great news is God says, I'm not willing that you should perish today. But that you should come and have everlasting life. Even though I know the stuff you've done. That's the good news. I want you to go out tomorrow morning and tell everyone. And when Pilate said, well, what is truth? The truth is, Jesus said, I'm going to hang on a cross. I'm going to give my life for you. All I want you to do is to recognize that you're a sinner. But that I come to save you. He that believeth on me has eternal life. He that trusts in me has eternal life. And that's maybe not a comfortable thought to sit with. But you will never come to know God unless you come through Jesus. And either Jesus is a liar or he's the truth. I want you to reflect on this statement this morning. Because I want to tell you something. Jesus is not willing that any should perish. But it all hangs on your verdict of what is truth. Because if you don't believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you don't believe he shed his precious blood for you at Calvary, and what you're saying to Jesus, you're a liar. That might be strong this morning, but Jesus doesn't give us the luxury sitting on the fence. It's a sobering thought. But when I stand in front of God one day, he'll say to me, I wasn't willing ever that you should perish. I wasn't willing. I just read it to you. But I'm thankful that you came to me with all your hang-ups and by man did you have some hang-ups. And you, you've got some faults in your life. And you didn't know all the answers to all the questions. And sometimes you doubted whether I was really working out in your life. Sometimes you lost a little bit of faith, Edwin. Sometimes you lost a little bit of hope. But I worked my life through you and in you. Because I know you didn't have all the answers. And I know you have lots of questions. But let me repeat it before we move on. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him
has everlasting life. Is that truth? Is it true? Well, that's the introduction. I told you it's going to be five hours, didn't I, Ben? Well, I think it's important that you understand that. Too many people don't come to Jesus because they're trying to work things out in their own lives. And God wants to unravel it as you come to know him. Amen? So if you're struggling, would you join the club? Please? Because life will never give you all the answers, Jane, will it? Never give you all the answers. So I don't know what song you're singing, Julie. Not a clue in your mind right now. But one song I'd like you to sing is this. My hope is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. Because that's going to get me through tomorrow. It's not dependent on me. It's dependent on Jesus. And I'm hanging on at the moment. I am hanging on at the moment. I'm clinging on. Because life is changing. But I have a choice. I trust in his own word. Or I don't trust. What's it to be? So let me answer the second one. And Jesus said this. Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The two things God says. God says, I love you, and I don't want you to perish. And the second thing, I want you to come into a church. What is a church? It's not a building. A church is all you people getting together. If we were outside now in, in that park, we'd be a church. Let's get rid of this. It's not a huge Anglican building. It's not a building like this. It's where everybody <coughs> who loves Jesus get together. Why was it important to Jesus that we all get together? And Jesus says this in Acts 28. Take heed to yourselves that you, as pastors, watch over the flock which you have been given through the Holy Spirit which Jesus purchased with his own blood. In other words, pastors, I want you to, you, to gather your people together and I want you to love them. And hopefully that's what I've done with you people. Hope I've loved you and pastored you. Because God's mandate is, listen, I want a church and you, I can't mandate these people. I'm therefore going to give you that responsibility, Eddie. But you remember this, I purchased this with my own blood. And that is why the church is important. It's important to God. When God looks down at this back row now, he sees the blood of Jesus running through. And he says, I paid my life for you. And I want to keep a church that will go out and tell the great news of Jesus. And while you're there together, to enjoy one another's company. This is what he said. He said, and Christ is the head of the church. He is the beginning of everything. He's the first among all who will be raised from the dead. So in everything, he's the most important. So church, the most important thing is Jesus. The most important thing is Jesus. Why? You know, in eight weeks' time, when I finally, 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 and you're thinking in your mind, because I know what your mind will be thinking, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And as I finally get off that platform for the last 
final time. I said to my mentor, that's it. I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to take a real break from church. And he said, well, that's quite a good idea, Eddie. He said, but I'm only going to give you four Sundays. And he says, if you are not back in a church in four Sundays, I'm going to hunt you down. I go, wow, that's a bit strong. But I know what he's saying. He's saying, listen. Yeah, take a break. You may need a break. But church is important, Edward. And if you, if I ring you up on the fifth Sunday and you haven't been to church, I'm going to hunt you down. I thought, well, you don't have to do that because I know someone not far from me who hunt me down long way before that. <laughs> and listen, I might enroll in the Salvation Army to get a drum. <laughs> and I walk down Erton High Street. Come and join us. Oh, I think I'd look good in a uniform and a nice big bass drum. Anyway, whatever. What I'm saying is church is important. And my mentor knows that. And he said, listen, seriously, you've got to come to church. Why? Because God thinks church is important for you to be with other people who are fellow like-minded. This is God's idea. It's God's idea that everybody should be saved. And it's God's idea that everyone should attend church. Why? Because number one, and I'm going to quickly go through it now, finally. It's important because of the builder. Notice who's going to build the church. I will build my church. Now, I know some of you think, well, no, it's Peter. God said to on Peter, I will, no. The word Peter just means Petros, which means rock. He wasn't actually saying to Peter. He was saying, Peter, on this rock, Petros, on this rock, I will build my church. I want you to know Jesus is building his church right now through the whole world. Millions are coming to know him in China, in India, Afghanistan, all over the world. There are millions of people coming to know. Why? Because Jesus is building his church. The Holy Spirit is moving in this. It's not about me building a church. You will never build a church. Because God's the builder. And so the question should not really be, shall I build my church? What we really should be saying is, God, can I help you to build your church? So when ministers say, oh, I'm building a church, say, oh, sorry, you're not. You might help Jesus to build his church. No, we need to get that right. Because the most important thing to me in life is, number one, is that God is building his church. And that's exciting. And that's why the gates of hell shall not pray. So number one. This is what it says in Psalm 127 verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain. Who build it? Unless God keeps the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house. So get excited friends. I'm going to church. I'm sure it's going to go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because it's not on your new pastor that's coming in. Or your old pastor who's gone out. It's on Jesus. Let's get excited this, this morning. Seriously. If our hope is in Christ this morning, whatever our circumstances is, let's be assured that he will build his church. Let me assure you that. Now let me go on. To, I'm going to skip this one. You see, Jesus, Margaret, never said he'd build anything else. Did you know that? Jesus never said he'd build anything else. The only thing Jesus said was he would build a church. That's God's only mandate, which is why I keep coming back to it. He only has two mandates. One, that he loves you and he wants you to be in his family. And once you're in your family, he's then began to build his church, hasn't he? 
So if five people came to know Jesus this morning, then this church now has five more people. The church has been built, hasn't it? Can you see the domino effect? But how do we do it? Romans 12 verse 1 says this. In your everyday living, eating, sleeping, drinking, going to work, tell the good news about Jesus. Tell the good news about Jesus. In a world where apparently our electricity and gas has gone, I don't know how much is going to go up then, what was it now? 6,000 pounds, I don't 6,000 pounds for every household. And some of us are going to wonder how we're going to put food on our tables. And I'm being very serious. We come into an economic world where it's so unstable. I want to tell you someone who is stable, his name is Jesus. And when Jesus says, I'll provide for all your needs, no matter whether you can pay your bills, I promise you Jesus will, will come and meet your need. Because if Jesus said it, I believe Jesus is truth. The one certainty in life is this, Jesus will never leave you. Nor will he forsake you. And you know why? Because he's the builder. He's the builder. And second of all, he's building nothing else. Hallelujah. He's building nothing else but a church. I'm going to skip this next one. Finally, finally. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Isn't that lovely? Gold and silver will never get me into heaven. I'm happy about that because I've got neither. No, seriously, if someone said, well, listen, it's going to cost you X amount of money to get to heaven, we'd all be on the bandwagon now. We'd all be saving. We'd all be putting deposits in it. I'm very serious. If God said to you today, Eunice, give me £10,000 and I will guarantee you eternal life, I guarantee you, I know Rob doesn't get much pocket anyway, but he'll get even less, because I'll guarantee that you would save £10,000 up. Because you think you've got something to do now to get eternal life. When Jesus says, I'm giving it for free. Well, you don't want it for free because you think you have to work for it or deserve it. And the Bible says that none of us deserve it, but he gives it to us free. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's wonderful. I can cut my Barclay card up. I can cut that flexible friend up. It's not depending on my salvation. Jesus. Jesus. Has purchased his precious blood. And I said there are no conditions, Edward, apart from believing that truth. Well, he finally, 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 There's another one. The church is going to win. Hallelujah. Now a lot of businesses fail. A lot of people pour their life into careers and fail. A lot of marriages unfortunately fail, don't they? But you pour your life into the church because it ain't going to fail. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No matter what happens, the moment you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are secure. And you've won. Because if Jesus says, He that believeth on me shall have everlasting life, what have I got? Everlasting life. Because He's either true or He's not true. And if He says, I will build my church, that's why it's important for God. Two, I will pay with my own precious blood. 
And finally, number three, it cannot fail. Do you know you're secure now forever? Your business might fail. Your life may go kaput. But Jesus will guarantee you salvation. He will guarantee to build his church. He will guarantee no matter what the political, economic structure of this world is, he will overcome. Because Jesus Christ is alive <clears throat> in heaven, waiting for the day he's coming back for you and me. Because that's the day we win the battle. I want to leave you with this, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thought. One day there's going to be a trumpet sound in the sky. And everybody who knows Jesus is going to just disappear. I hope I'm, there's nobody in my car that doesn't know Jesus that day. Because I won't be my bad driving. You will disappear. You may be sitting in an airplane. You will disappear. Walking down the street. You might even be at the Stadium of Light. Well, God's team, son, it are just about the score, but you'll miss it. That's how quick it is going to be. I wonder if you could wink. Can you wink? Jesus has come and gone. That's how quick it is. The Bible says this as we finish. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Then we who are alive, shall be caught up together with them. And there will we be with Jesus forever. Because the battle is won. Because of the mandate of He. Are you excited this morning? In all seriousness, He's coming. Soon and very soon. He's coming again. And we're going home. And we're leaving this world behind to a better hope and to a better future. To a place where there are no more disabled partners. Where there's no boots to chemist. Where there's nobody gets sick again. We'll never phone the doctor again hoping to get an appointment in. Never. Isn't that wonderful? And God shall wipe away every tear. Why? Because God loves you. God wants you and his family. He wants to help you to build the church so other people can come in and tell them why. Why go to church? Number one, it's important to God because he's the builder. I will build my church. Two, he has redeemed it with his own precious blood. And three, he's promised you victory. The gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. God bless you.